Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Happy Sunday, everybody. The reading that I selected this morning is from the book of Matthew, chapter 9, verses 9 through 13. It's about Jesus residing and eating with sinners. And of course, the Pharisees don't like that because they don't associate with the lowly people. So then you have an issue coming up where, what should you do? So, in Matthew 9, we read, from, starting from the ninth verse, As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at a tax booth, and he said to him, Follow me. And he rose and followed him. 
And as Jesus reclined at the table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick do. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. And in Luke's version of this, he ends by saying, instead of just saying, but but sinners, he says, but sinners to repentance. Luke adds that on to, sinners are to repent. A recent question from the Pharisees was more of an accusation. Why does Jesus eat with tax collectors and sinners? Why would a supposedly righteous man be seen in the company of immoral people? The Pharisees themselves, of course, would never share a meal with people who openly break God's law, nor would they lower themselves to be seen with anyone who didn't follow their own rules of conduct. Jesus had quipped that healthy people don't need a doctor. It's the sick people that do. The point is twofold. That to properly love and to care for others is what we're supposed to do. And we need to minister to those who are caught in sin. Matthew 5.44 says, But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. It'd be kind of like uh, ridiculous in saying that a doctor would refuse to see sick people. What's the object of a doctor? Supposed to see sick people. What's the object of, of Christians? Supposed to go out and meet the people, sinners alike. Jesus did that several times. He met people where they were at. And John chapter 4 tells about the story of the woman at the well. In this situation, though, she is going to be stoned to death. The woman knew her life was about to end. This isn't the story of the woman in the well. This is a little different version. But she was surrounded by a huge crowd. And her condemners all held stones, ready to stone her. This would be her legacy, marked forever as a woman of adultery. Filled with shame and senses of helplessness, all she could do was stare down at the dust at her feet. But she was not alone. There was a man next to her. A man different from any other man that she had ever known. Her accusers questioned him about her punishment. Expecting him to agree and cast the first stone, she cowered. She remained silent. And then he wrote something in the dust that remains a mystery to this day. Finally, Jesus stood and spoke let the one who has never sinned cast that first stone. When Jesus stood before the woman's accusers, he stood as a light of hope for those deemed unworthy. On that particular day, Jesus changed the rules. Not even a single stone was thrown that day, for they knew they had all sinned one way or another. Jesus stood up again and he said to the woman, where are your accusers? They had all vanished. 
Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. Once again, we have a situation where Jesus says, go and sin no more. He didn't tell her to just go out and live her life the way she had. She was supposed to change. In a very real sense, Jesus shows overwhelming and astonishing mercy to undeserved people like us. We don't deserve God's mercy and God's forgiveness. Yet Jesus came down here and challenged the Pharisees, challenged all those who were willing to throw that stone. He didn't give her a free pass either to remain in her sin. He said, sin no more. The account of the woman at the well details the need for a savior. This woman was a Samaritan, hated and rejected as an outcast. And back in the old days, uh, the, the women would go to the well during the heat of the day because that, everybody would be at home. So they can go out basically and not be seen and they can go out in secret and go out and get their water that needed the well because nobody would see them. Everybody would be at home taking their afternoon nap, so to speak. So that's when she would go out and get her water. Jesus made the point and talked to her. He struck up a conversation. She was a sinner. She was an outcast. They had a lengthy conversation, which included acknowledging her adulterous life. By the end of their talk, Jesus declared himself the Messiah, and she gratefully accepted that revelation. Not finished with his work, he headed into town with the woman and hung out with the villagers for two additional days. Again, go and sin no more, he would tell her. Jesus would say that again. He tells us that. Go and sin no more. Jesus says, see, you are well. Sin no more that nothing worse happens to you. He told that to another person. I think it's astonishing and great that Jesus did that. And now the question remains, how do we do it around people around us? Do we hang out with our friends, those who we're we're comfortable with? Or do we try to hang out with those other ones, maybe try to convert them? That's a kind of a double-edged sword because in James, he says, you know, don't hang out with those who are doing bad things, lest that they may influence you to do their will. So you really have to be cautious how you do this, but you have to realize what Jesus did for us. Jesus was not afraid. It was his mission to go out and save the people, to change the rules, because the scribes and Pharisees were not going to do it. They were bound to determine that it's going to be their way, and if you don't fit into their mold, so sad, so sorry. Jesus hung out with the outcast in a way to create his church, one lost sheep at a time. Jesus did not operate within the parameters dictated by the culture. The culture, the society said one thing, Jesus said something else. Just like when Jesus healed on the Sabbath day, Oh, the scribes and Pharisees were really upset about that. And Jesus says, hey, if somebody needs help on the Sabbath day, aren't you going to help them? 
If your house is on fire on Sunday, uh, I can't call the fire department till Monday. No, it doesn't work that way. Help operates 24 hours a day, just like our hospitals do, just like our nurses and doctors do, operate 24 hours a day. They are there to help people, just as Jesus did. He helped the lost. If one sheep is missing, he'll abandon the 99 and go out and look for the one that is lost until he finds it. Jesus loves everybody. Jesus modeled the same redemptive vision that he met with Matthew, a tax collector. You know, the tax collectors were not exactly popular people. They were sinners in their own mind, and they would do what they could to, to get extra money that they really didn't deserve. They were notorious thieves and swindlers. That's why they were good tax collectors, if I may say that. But yet, Jesus reached out to the tax collectors. As we read in our first lesson this morning, he reached out to Matthew. Another tax collector, remember him, Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus was also a tax collector, but he wanted to see Jesus. Jesus' choice of company upset many of the religious leaders of the time, and they taunted Jesus for his actions. In response, Jesus gave one of his more notable teachings. He said, but when they heard it, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. All throughout recorded history, humans have feared groups of people who are different. We have a tendency to, if somebody's different than us, we have a tendency to avoid them. We're in a society where we seem to be so busy, we forget about our, our neighbors. Who is our neighbor, somebody asks. We're supposed to love our neighbors as ourselves. Who is our neighbor? Chances are around us, we have our neighbors. And we might get, I have to chuckle with one of my neighbors. Lives right across the street from me. Where do I see them? I'll see them at basketball games. Or I might see them in Pier. I might see them in Rapid City. I might see them in Sioux Falls. Hardly ever in Groton, actually. I chuckle every time I see him because we go out and about to covering events and, hey, hi, neighbor, you know. It's sad that we don't get to see our neighbors. The other day, I, she was outside. I actually stopped and talked with her, had a conversation with her. We're supposed to do that. And maybe sometimes what we should do is, you know, bake some cookies and take them over to our neighbors and say, hey, just something for you. We're thinking about you. If anything you need, just let us know. I've always had the vision, and I, my, my mind and stuff just can't get everything put together. It'd be cool to have a neighborhood block party. To actually invite the neighbors over for a barbecue. Wouldn't that be awesome to do that? But we don't. I have yet to see a single neighborhood block party around town. Because we're so consumed... That's how the devil's working. He's keeping us busy, keeping us away from our neighbors. Jesus says in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven 37 through 40, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. 
On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Now, most of the religious leaders agree. This is the greatest commandment. Absolutely. Yet how to live by that commandment was something they couldn't understand. And like I said, they asked, well, who is my neighbor? Knowing for Jesus telling stories to drive a point home, Jesus told the parable about the good Samaritan. A man was beaten and robbed. One thing you got to remember at the time is that there were roads that went around hills. And so you basically, it was very dangerous actually because people would hide on the hills behind bushes. So when you would least expect it, somebody might come out and attack you. And they were also notorious for trapping people by having people lay at the road thinking they were dead and needed or they needed help. So when somebody would go there, then they'd come out and pounce on them. That's what was happening at the time. So knowing that's what's happening, two men, a priest and a temple assistant, walked by. And of course, they looked at the situation, looked at this man that was there, and they passed on by. They would even go on the other side of the street. How sad that is. Somebody needs help, and they refuse to help them. Taking their own life. My life is more important. I'm not going to sacrifice it in case it is a trap. But then here comes this other individual. Here comes the Samaritan. A Samaritan who happens to be an outcast like all the other ones. He came upon the beaten man. He offered assistance by caring for his wounds. He even paid for him to stay at an inn until he had time to heal. The fear that led the priest, the temple assistant, to ignore the beaten man is still prevalent today. It is by our nature to avoid the people because it makes us uncomfortable or maybe we don't feel safe. Maybe somebody has a different religious view than us. Maybe somebody has moral beliefs that are different from us. Maybe they're, maybe they're outcasts and need to be included as well. You talk about neighbors. I seen an article on CNN this past week about Blue Star Family Project that's going on right now. Basically, the military families, they move around about three times as often as a regular family. So, I said, so a military family will come into a community and they interviewed some of them. And when they came into this community, they basically felt outcasts. Because nobody would come over to help. No one would come over and say hi. No one would come over and just, you know, introduce themselves. Again, a society that is basically about me, myself, and I, and my family, and nobody else. So they created this Blue Star Family Project, trying to get people aware that these military people are just as important as anybody else. So we should try to reach out to them. They even have bracelets that they wear, recognizing that, hey, I recognize military people, and if you need my help, I'll be there, and I will come and maybe I'll bake you some cookies or something. That'd be awesome to do. So the sense of lack of well-being. Why is it that we are a society today that has become so isolated? 
This is going on from now through October 3rd that they have this Blue Star Welcome Week, welcoming military families in our communities. It's sad, in a way, to think about that we have to have a special day to recognize and to welcome people into our communities. You know, there are at least 100 verses in the Bible that talks about your neighbor or one another. Jesus left us with the commandment to also baptize people. Not just those who think and dress and act like us, but all people of all nations. Oh, yes, thank God that he sent his son into the world for us to be that teacher. Now we need to follow his teachings, the teachings in the Bible. We need to follow him, his examples that he has set for us. One thing that I have found out that I need to start doing is writing things down. Now, I don't know about you, but my mind is exactly as sharp as it used to be. So I have to kind of write things down in my note up here to remind me of things I need to do. And you know, it's actually written in all kinds of books. If you want to accomplish something, if you actually want to do something, write it down and remind yourself. Don't expect yourself to remember it because you won't. I know I don't. Write it down. I can't emphasize that. You know, I got a list of, there's one thing we forgot to do this morning and I wrote it down and he remind me that we'll do it later. Remember to write things down. So if we want to meet our neighbor, neighbors and say, hey, I want to bake some cookies for somebody, write it down. Bake cookies, give to neighbors. And do it. The scriptures are written down for us to learn, to digest, to read. They were written down for us. We too need to write stuff down to remind ourselves of what we need to do to follow the scriptures. If we're going to love our neighbor, write down, love our neighbors, bake some cookies, go over and say hi to them, check up on them, make sure they're okay. And if anybody's as guilty as that, that's me as well. Because we get into a, such a busy society. We're all guilty of it. So we need to change it. As Jesus said, go and sin no more. Well, that means that if we need to go and see our neighbors, go and do it. He is your neighbor. She is your neighbor. And it doesn't have to be right around your block. It could be somewhere around town. Maybe somebody who's living alone. Maybe it's a family that needs a little bit of help. Go help them. Give them something. After all, the money that we have, who gave that to us? Whose money really is it? It is God's. So we should be tithing to the church and we should be helping our neighbors, helping our friends, our relatives, whoever it might be that needs help. And the other thing is, it says in the scripture, if you do give money, you're supposed to expect payment back, right? Mm -mm. If you loan somebody money, don't expect to get paid back. It says that in Scripture. When you give, give freely. And don't expect to get paid back. God is so great and wonderful. He has done so much for us. 
We're supposed to be living out God's will by stepping out in faith just as Jesus did. He, he went out and he met the people where they were at. We are to go out and meet the people where they are at. We ask God for forgiveness. We ask God for help. We ask God for love. We ask him to help us along our journey. We struggle here on this planet with so many things. And yet at the same time, God blesses us with so much. It's, it's, it's unreal. I send out my little daily emails from my daily paper and I say, make sure you give God glory and peace and, and give him all the praise and glory today and make sure you thank him for everything you've been blessed with. And I had one lady, she used to always responds back to my email. She says, I have to pinch myself sometimes to remember all the good things that God has blessed me with. One of my favorite people, if she responds to my emails every morning, I have to respond back to her now too because it's just great just hearing from her. Because I talk about God in a lot of my emails. And I make sure, reminding people, give him the glory and the praise. Someone asked me, we talked about, well, since I run the daily paper, do I put anything about God in there, in the paper? I said, actually, I do. I have a daily devotion that's in there every day. Because I feel it's part of it. God is part of my business. God is part of our lives. So I make sure that he's included in it through the daily devotion that we have in our paper. Whenever you see somebody, God bless you. Do you say that to them? Or are you scared to say that? Are you hesitant in saying it, fearing what they might say or think? I don't care what they say or think. I still want God to bless them. That's what he, God says. Go and you know, pray for your neighbors. Pray for those who even hurt you. Pray for those who are bad against you. Because that's what God wants us to do. We're not alone. By any means of the imagination. Yes, we are struggling. We have so many struggles in our lives. But along the journey, the Holy Spirit is there for us. The Holy Spirit resides inside each one of us. The Holy Spirit is there inside of us, giving us calmness. Reach into your heart, reach into your mind, into your soul, and realize that the Spirit of God is within you. And he will give you peace. He will give you comfort. He will give you strength for the journey. It is by the faith of God that we have all of these wonderful things that we have. We as Christians here in the United States have a great... I don't know if you realize how good we have it. You're sitting out here in a pew, worshiping on a Sunday morning, not a thought in the world. Other people around the world are not as fortunate. They have to hide in secret places to worship for fear of being shot or killed because of their Christian belief. There are people out there that are doing that. Jesus is the great physician. He heals us. He gives us strength and he reaches out to us and to all those who need him. I'd like to close by reading Psalm 51. 
to the choir master a psalm of David when Nathan the prophet went to him after he had gone to Bathsheba. Psalm 51 has created me a clean heart, O God. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltlessness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Be good to Zion in your good pleasure. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in right sacrifices and burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. It's a song that we used to sing. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with your free spirit. This is God's word. This is God's praise. This is God's community. Give him the praise and the glory every day of your life. For this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen.